0: Welcome to the Share Life Podcast with Jason Scott Montoya, where we explore stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Thank you for joining us on a special edition of the Share Life Podcast. We're in an ongoing series as part of the discovery process for my next book project, From the Garden to the Cross, How Jesus' Harrowing Mission Shows Us the Way. In this discussion, we're rewinding and reflecting on Jesus' prayer at the end of the farewell discourse, which comes from John chapter, four, cha- chapter 17. Today, I'm joined by Rachel, Angela, and Todd. Rachel, say hello. Hi. Rachel Ends is a teacher, wife, mother, dreamer, prayer enthusiast, silviculture nursery owner. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> Silvicul- a lover of science, paper crafter, and rational optimist. Angela, say hello. Angela is a farm-grown child of God, a gifted painter, small farmer, and the founder of Growers for Grace, an organization focused on regenerative plant-based products from upcycling and redirected waste streams. Todd, say hello. Todd helps people know and share their story wholeheartedly through his work with the 315 Project and StoryDrive. Thank you all for participating in this discussion. Absolutely. In the series so far we've already discussed jesus's final message to his disciples before the passion began his agonizing prayer in the garden his middle of the night arrest judas's betrayal a night of scheming to kill him the three denials by peter the death of judas pilate asking jesus about truth herod directing jesus to entertain him pilate washing his hands of responsibility simon carrying jesus cross jesus forgiving his perpetrators and jesus's final finishing moments on the cross now we're rewinding once again, to the moments right before we enter the Garden of Gethsemane, to see and reflect on Jesus's intercessory prayer before a sacrificial journey begins. His prayer has three sections, one focused on God's glory, another on the disciples, um, and finally for believers across all time. So let us begin. I'm going to go ahead and read chapter 17. This is from the New Living Translation, and I'll read the, I'll read the whole chapter, and then I'm going to ask each of you you know, what is your first impressions? What sticks out? Um, what, what do you connect with? We'll start with Rachel and, and we'll work our way around from there. So let me get started. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one of you, to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me in the glory we share before the world began. I revealed you to the ones who gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know what everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those who have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me. So they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in the world, so they would be filled with joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for the disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me, because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. So there's a lot here to unpack, but just kind of what is it that sticks out? What is it that resonates? Feel free to, to say uh, more than one thing. Uh, I'll make one comment before I throw it to you, Rachel. Um, I think it's interesting the first passage where he talks about eternal life. I think mm. we think of eternal life in a little bit of a, Um, eternal in a, in a linear way, like eternal life is living forever, but Jesus is distinctly saying eternal life is being with God. Um, And so life comes from God. And so to be, to have eternal life is to be with God um, forever. So that was an interesting thing that kind of stuck out to me as I was, as I was reading it. Uh, Rachel, what, what about you?
1: I actually, the same thing stuck out to me yeah. Um it's eternal life is that they may know you and it's about knowing God and God knowing us. Um and it it made me think of um that portion where Jesus is saying to some of them, depart from me because I never knew you. Uh-huh. And there's there's something about learning how to know God mm-hmm. in like,
0: yeah,
1: in, as we're walking through life, learning how to know, to know God, what does that look like? Um, so I've been, I've actually kind of been spending quite a bit of time in, in these passages, John 14 through to 17. Yeah. And uh, especially in John 15, where he's talking about abide in me. What, what does like, what does that mean? What does that look yeah. like? How does that translate into my day in and day out life. Yeah. Um, and then to then h- see this kind of culminated in this phrase, oh, this is eternal life. Oh, okay. So yeah, I think um, we do, we have this concept of what eternal life might be and yeah, um, it might and be I, completely I, yeah. off.
0: <laughs> well, and I, it almost like we do talk about like heaven as if it's yeah. this thing, this place we go to absent, like absent of God, right? It's heaven because God is there, right? And so I think that's an interesting disconnect that I've noticed. Um, but it's also to your point about the knowing at the end of the, the passage, he says, the world doesn't know you, but I do. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of an interesting connection to what you just said that stuck out for me. Uh, Angela, what, what about you?
2: few things stood out to me um I thought it was interesting how he spoke for a moment in the third person almost and um and says his own name and Mm -hmm. um further down in in the passage it talks about the power of of God's name and um the sharing of God's name so it was interesting that he spoke the name given to him. Um, he says um because he begins father. So he's speaking to his father, but then he says to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So I thought that was interesting and we'll kind of pull that through um as it as it comes through later. The second thing that that I I really enjoy about this is um, is the concreteness of his existence. Um, when it says, um, now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began, hmm. I, I love knowing that, that Jesus didn't just start at a certain period of time. His power, authority, and might Began or existed. I shouldn't even say began. <laughs> it, it it existed um, simultaneously, and and so it it's um, it's intriguing to to know. And um, we we have in in John one one through five. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then, similarly, two times in Genesis, God speaks and doesn't say, I, he says, we. Yeah. And so in Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, our image. And Genesis 3, 22, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us. Yeah. Knowing good and evil. So yeah. that was interesting The um, before the world began.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's. I think it's um, one of the unique things about Christianity and, and a powerful um, explanation of, of reality is who did God love before he created the universe? What community existed before the universe did? And, and that's found in the Trinity of God. And so what's, what's really neat about that is that God was already living, out, living that out and when he created the universe, it was a way to invite others, his children, to participate in what already was there, and I think that's pretty neat to um, to think about. Uh, Todd, uh, what about you? What sticks out? What what do you connect with in this passage? A
3: couple things. The kind of the interesting dynamic between. Jesus being fully man and offering this prayer is even like a model mm-hmm. for us to pray. And then obviously it's all littered with his divinity and this his confidence in who he is, his identity, his role in the eternal timeline, yeah. of sovereign prayer. Um, flipping back to John 16, there's such a richness about him revealing the the holy spirit coming and to 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 sandwich John 17 between the holy spirit references in John 16 and then all the Pauline you know epistle mm-hmm. language about us needing the spirit of revelation to know to know God to know truth mm-hmm. to work out our salvation to work out our sanctification yeah um to become holy so it's uh it, it, this this whole 17 is so so theologically <laughs> dense and supernaturally it is. It is. there's so much revelation that it's it's hard to even come close to um cerebrally trying to analyze it is almost uh dishonoring to it in some way <laughs> But so I'm
0: enjoying it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, you have something to add to that? It looks like uh you agree. No, I'm just I'm
1: agreeing. I'm <laughs> I'm digging it like it's yeah, Todd's hitting the nail on the head for me, right? With that well, comment.
0: Well, there, there's an you know an aspect of it to your point about like a being a model or an example for interceding. God Jesus is interceding for his disciples and for, for all Christians in this prayer. And And ironically, you know, when he goes to the garden of Gethsemane shortly after this, his he's praying in the garden and he tells the disciples to to pray, right. And they fall asleep. (laughs) And so that intercession is absolutely critical because if Jesus didn't intercede for us, we obviously aren't going to intercede for ourselves because we're going to fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's, yeah, that's interesting. So Rachel, what what do you think about this glory, this first part, this this idea of Jesus starting out this prayer about God's glory? You know, I think th- I think of the Lord's Prayer where He says, um, you know, he, it's really about honoring the name of God and God Himself at the beginning of that, and that seems to mimic what we see here as well. What what would you speak to that dynamic?
1: Here? Well, yeah, I I did actually write some things down because that aspect kind of jumped out to me as, as well um i i don't know this might sound funny but i i'm i'm wondering well why is jesus asking the father to glorify him uh-huh. like he's saying glorify me together with yourself and he's talking about with the glory that was before the world was made. And so I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with that. I'm, I'm chewing on that. Mm. Um, Is this part of what Paul's talking about when he's talking about Jesus laid aside or didn't grasp, like, didn't um, consider that God had something to be grasped. and here's jesus saying glorify me as i once was glorified mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm kind of wrestling through that i don't have the answers on this but it's just something that is kind of i don't know percolating or
0: yeah yeah percolating uh, i like that
4: well just, and it's well I'm the, like, the hmm. one
0: thing i would add maybe add to that is the in that part but also the whole prayer is very it's we get a very clear picture of this um I don't know what you would call it. Like this, the mutual submission of God, um, and the sense of giving and receiving and, and not hoarding and not holding on, but, but that flow. And so to give glory is, is to receive it, which is to give it. And it, it, it's like, a the life I kind of think of like the life is moving, right. Versus just being stagnant.
1: It's Uh, not, it's not a zero sum game. mm -hmm. the, Jesus giving glory to the father doesn't diminish Jesus in any Mm. way. And the father giving glory to the son doesn't diminish the father in any way. Like we, we have such a limited understanding of, of like, we think it's like, oh, well, if, if you're giving, you're losing. Um, But I don't think it's that way within the Godhead. I, I think it's it's something beyond God. Could you
0: contrast that to how humans do it? Because it does seem to be distinctly Oof. different. In other words, yeah. it does seem to be a zero sum game. So kind of expand on that a little bit.
1: Well, I think we 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 think it's a zero sum game. Like in terms of when we uh honor each other or when we like if one person is uh commended above another, it it feels like the person who is not commended is on the losing side mm. of it and that's where like jealousy and envy come into play when we look at each other and we compare ourselves to each other yeah but that, that does not necessarily have to be reality mm. there there is there is something that um, God models for us in how the Trinity honors each other yeah, and gives glory to each other. And it doesn't in any way diminish from yeah. themselves when they do that. And so what does that mean for us? Like, what does that, how, how do we take that and kind of incorporate that into how we treat one another? Mm-hmm. Um, does, does my commending and honoring someone Diminish anything from me? No, I don't think it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that it might. Yeah, but I, I think, think yeah, I when think we see we someone have that,
0: yeah, when we see someone have like some kind of success, it there's like a visceral reaction. I think sometimes where it's we feel like we're missing out on something. We we don't get part of that, right?
1: Yeah, and yeah. I mean. I actually think that's why it's do not covet is in the 10 commandments because it's so, it's so opposite of who God is and how God relates within himself. Um, that when we fall into the trap of coveting each other, um, we lose sight of of that aspect it yeah. I don't know it's it steals our joy And mm. in, instead of being able to be uh, joyful for uh what someone else has accomplished or achieved or how God's blessed them or whatever we get stuck in this in this yeah. trap that uh we think somehow we're diminished because they did well yeah and it's a lie and and so that's something that I'm um I don't know. I'm, I'm wanting to undo in myself. Like,
4: yeah.
1: I, I want to kick that out and get rid yeah. of that type of thinking. Cause I, I think it's anti who God is like, it's yeah. against who God is. So I don't want any part of it if that's the yeah. case.
0: Yeah. Uh, Angela, what would you add to that or, or, or speak into?
4: Um,
0: or just the idea of God's glory, this this first part of the, the passage, what would you say about that?
2: It, it certainly is, is woven throughout scripture, it, um, giving glory to God or certain things glorifying God are referenced throughout the Old Testament as well as um, through the New Testament and even um, in our our earthly callings. um you often hear, um, you'll, you'll have um, soli deo gloria um, or, you know, to God be the glory or um, it, it's used very frequently um, as a quick reference to kind of anchor or bring certain things back. Am I giving glory to God or is this mm. endeavor giving glory to God? So that whole concept of glory to God or glory um definitely is is very present um has it though become so common that we're missing um what that means so so what does giving glory to god mean and um pause and dig in and think about that what what does giving glory to god mean or what is he asking when he says, um, glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, and uh, do you think the, or like, do you think there's any meaning to this prayer starting out with that too? Like he doesn't say this at the end of it, it's the first thing. So there's something about the glory that I think maybe has to do with the order.
2: I think the order is significant, and it, it it's certainly um, worth looking, you know, further into because we we're always there's a lot of teaching around. Well, if we boil everything down, um, what is it about? And um, it, you almost hear two things: it, it's all about love, mm. and um, and then you also hear. Um, it's it's bringing glory to God. yeah so um, how are those two um, within one itself and you know his his sacrifice yeah. was love. yeah. And so if his sacrifice was that um, act of bringing glory to God, uh, to God at, at that act that for all of time, um, brought transformational, um, opportunity, then, um, they do coexist love and glory.
4: Yeah.
0: And I think it's important to know. And Todd, what would you, you know, throw into this? But there's an aspect of this that the God is God is good and God is worthy of that glory. So it's different than just giving glory to something that doesn't deserve it. It's God is is deserving of it. So Todd, wh- what would you say about that, or just this whole glory dynamic going on here?
3: A couple things. So. How often are we in our prayers, closing our eyes and bowing our heads, perhaps um, petitioning to some little genie (laughs) deep inside our (laughs) physical body where we see (coughs) the son of God himself lifting his eyes to the heavens, like acknowledging Again, like it almost sounds like it almost seems like there's a tension between the fully man Jesus saying, "Hey, Dad, I'm down here, right?" And the time has come. like I've been obedient, right? I'm here to fulfill your plan. Lift me, glorify me so that I can finish you know the task before me at the cross, presumably., yeah. so that you may be glorified. Um, it, it, I would certainly be interested to in unpack the, the uh, Greek on but that. It's, yeah, because yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if there's some <laughs> depth there what that word may simply see. It's probably one of those words that the English language doesn't quite come close to Doing and that would give us some insight. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be digging in on that word glorifying that
0: sentence. Yeah. How does it connect to worship? Well,
3: I mean, if God created us to partake in the divine nature and to um, glorify Him and His worthiness his ultimate worthiness with all the saints and while it always seems to me in my humanness to see my little narcissistic or megalomaniac <laughs> it's a leap of faith to be like hey we were created by a creator mm-hmm. for the best purpose of honoring and glorifying him yeah. so it's a it's a humbling in very non-natural posture to partake in, let alone understand.
2: And, it, and we, it, it definitely shows we need submission to our Father to be able to to carry that out. To to be able to glorify Him, it means we we definitely need to be in alignment with His his will, his truth, his teaching. Um, So he's about to go do a very difficult thing where his words, his actions, everything is going to be under enormous pressure. And he knows historically it will be recorded. He knows he has to get these things right and so it, it does kind of remind me of our daily prayers of Lord,
4: mm.
2: I love you. And I, out of my love for you, I want to get this right, but I'm, I need your help. And yeah. I don't want to mess. I don't want to um, uh, not submit to you and listen to what you're, you're telling me to do. The only way, the best way I can glorify you is to to be obedient and listening and know your truth and your word. And, but, and I think that's where the body of Christ for us, we are not Christ. We're, we're sinners. And so it, it takes the body of Christ, which this passage gets to, which we'll talk in a minute about is unity and I, I think yeah. that's the, the key also of, of how, how do we glorify or how does the world know um, that I, I thought it was fascinating that it, it repeatedly seemed to emphasize that the way the world will know that God sent him was through unity
0: yeah yeah so the next section talks about he's talking about the disciples you know i revealed you to the ones you gave me and um he's kind of like i've downloaded the information to them (laughs) So Rachel, what, what would you say to this, this second section about the disciples as prayer is not for the world, but those he has given. And he's talked about, he's talking to God, like, Hey, I've taken care of them as you've asked me. And, and, um, you know, I've, I've done what you've asked and, and it almost seems like now I'm sort of handing, handing them over to you, you know? Yeah. What would you, uh, say about that?
1: Yeah, I, um, I spent quite a bit of time just reading this passage over and over, like this section of this chapter <laughs> over and over, because there's there's so much, so much there. There's there's um, he's repeatedly talking about the name of God. He's yeah. repeatedly talking about the Word of God. Um, he's contrasting um, being Sent into the world, but not being of the world, and um, and just that's like, an
0: interesting distinction too. Distinction, right? yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, so there's there's that at play in this in this passage, and um, and then right kind of smack in the middle is the that they may be one, even as we are. Mm-hmm. And I just I wrote uh, it's unity, not uniformity.
0: Okay. unpack that for us.
1: Yeah. So the even within the Trinity, they there is distinct expressions of each member of the Trinity, mm-hmm. and the way that God has created us, we are each unique individuals, unique. Like how how we're made, how we're wired, how mm-hmm. how we um, like our personalities, our our gifts, our talents—all these things, um, each of us bring something unique, different, um, and essential mm-hmm. uh, to the body. And if we were all, if we all brought the same thing. It would not be dynamic it would not um yeah and yeah there's a and there's so an it's
0: interestingness um to our diversity yeah
1: yes and and i think that is um one of the essential things that we cannot lose uh sight of when we talk about unity unity mm-hmm. of the body the the whole uh this part of the body can't say to this part of the body i have no need of you <laughs> we have yeah. to eliminate that type of language mm. from our vocabulary and we haven't we have not like in the in the worldwide church in those who who recognize jesus as god as savior as lord we we're not there yet yeah we we still do the mm, i don't need that I don't need that. Yeah. We do that to each other. And it's like, Nope, we're, we're missing the heart of God. We're missing, yeah. we're missing the heart of this prayer um, yeah. when we do that. And it's like, it's very humbling actually. Um,
0: well, and I, I think of uh, that. I mean, like I think of the diversity as like a reflection of who God is like to, yeah. to deny that is to deny part of God and yeah i also think about um just the important like growing up for me like i i got the sense that there was even that division within denominations of christianity that denomination isn't is they're out of they're out of whack you know and now i see like you know there's actually a richness in the different traditions that they bring to the table and and we i miss some of that because of because of that division right
1: yeah, I, I had a huge wake-up call uh, when I went to university uh, because I grew up in a very uh, denominationally sheltered.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and like to the point of distrusting whether other Christians were real Christians. And I got a real wake-up call and it was, it was quite humbling when I went to university and I met other Christians from a whole spectrum of denominations, non denominations, um, yeah. and Protestant, Catholic, the like broad, I'm talking. Yeah. And just in spending time getting to know people and having those conversations, and you realize, oh, this person loves jesus as much as i do oh this person honors scripture as much as i do oh mm-hmm. and i mean it wasn't a bad thing but it was very humbling yeah it, it was like oh i was wrong i repent yeah and and since i mean that was <laughs> that was a while <laughs> back <laughs> um that's something i've wanted to grow in myself in the um, how do I honor the body? How do I honor the whole, the whole body of Christ? And what does that look like? Um, it's very, very easy to slip into tribalism, to slip into us versus them. Um, it's, it's not God, it's not Jesus prayer. It's not his prayer for us.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So there's one, one thing I want to pull out, um, Todd, if if you want to speak to this, uh, Jesus, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one, which I'm like, well, wait a second, Jesus, why don't you change that prayer to say that you will take me out of this world and just skip the suffering part of this. What do you have to say to that, Todd? Uh,
3: well, if the if the Godheads on the same page, which you hope they are, <laughs> there's a redemptive plan, you know, to reach all the nations, all the tongues, all the tribes, we'd see in Revelation. And it's um he would it would be very unloving. He would be disobedient to his father to say, Hey, all those that you sent me, just usher us all back home so we can get along with our kind of <laughs> little heaven rather than you know not where Jesus is on mission he's accomplishing his work he's equipped his disciples to further finish the work the church that the gates of Hades won't be able to yeah block so it's,
0: it's but I, I kind of wonder like when they heard him say God make them a holy sacrifice you know <laughs> what are they thinking because <laughs> this well, is before yeah. even the cross too you know
3: yeah but he probably was saying stuff earlier earlier chapters like the world's gonna hate you you are gonna mm-hmm. suffer you're like yeah um you know
0: they, been, they had to have there must have been an interest some conception that ended up being different than what was actually coming you know
3: yeah they all scattered for a reason <laughs> that's what i mean yeah <laughs>
0: they knew it was He told it was coming and they scattered so yeah yeah Angela, what would you add to that? the the, phrase, the part after that is. Um, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth.
4: I'm.
2: Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop back up for just a second. Yeah, go ahead. Um, when when area um back in um where it says um now they know that everything i have is a gift from you for i have passed on to them the message they accepted it and know that i came from you and they believe you sent me and um even this this entire prayer there are certain aspects of it that um or even our, our faith in general can become difficult sometimes, and it, it's reality. We we serve a God that we cannot physically see, and um, and so this the the area of and they believe you sent me reminded me of um in Jeremiah twenty four seven it says I will give them hearts that recognize me as the Lord. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me wholeheartedly." And I feel like that echoes what I personally experience is I I have children, and they ask difficult questions sometimes. And I know they don't like the answer of sometimes of, I don't quite know that answer. Um, <clears throat> And they asked some great questions, I'm um, getting all the way back to the on um, the garden, but um, but one thing that always brings me back is this undeniable aspect that I understand what he was saying here, and also what was written in jeremiah there is a knowledge of him that i cannot explain but it's present and Mm. it's unshakable it is it threatened sometimes by the world is it difficult do we suffer for that certainly but is it inside of me yes and so I I love that um he he gives us hearts that recognize him. Mm-hmm. And um so and um yeah so I I'll let maybe Todd if Todd wants to, to speak to the truth, um certainly um that is a a core core aspect
0: yeah god what do you what would you say to that uh make them holy by your truth
3: uh to me I, I go back again to you know 16 where he's not only promising that they'll be persecuted so it's like hey i'm i'm not gonna <laughs> get out of here with me stick around you got some work to do but he's you know he's promising the holy spirit he's promising that the spirit when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak so you know, it's, it's i think it's interesting i don't know what the actual time differential is here between the writings of 16 and 17 but he's almost like to his children or to his disciples hey some stuff's going to go down that but don't worry about it because i've got you taken care of but make no mistake You're going to come up against opposition. So, Hey, why don't I go head out loud and pray for you for the very thing It'll almost be like me telling one of my kids in college, it's like, Hey son, you're going to, you're going to have temptations in college. And, you know, I, I, you're going to want to make the right decisions and be courageous. And, Oh, before we get off the phone, why don't I say a prayer for you to my dad? <laughs> hey, father, you help my son make some wise decisions and be courageous. Yeah. Yeah. So, to me is just um, just a modeling of, a, of our dependence on him modeled by his dependency on his father. Again, like kind of both, hey, here's what it looks like to be fully dependent as fully man Jesus. But hey, even as fully divine Jesus, I'm going to show you how to, I intercede on your behalf both here in the physical body and then the fourth come through the holy spirit comforter
0: well yeah and that's interesting because uh there is an aspect of this too that by praying this in the disciples uh, i guess hearing it they're actually getting to know what god is saying you know what jesus is saying what the father is saying to jesus he's essentially revealing Hey, I was, I was told to protect you in this way. And it was told to give you the mm-hmm. truth. And, and so there, I, you know, some of this, it was revealed earlier, but there does seem to be some parts of it that, that may have been novel um, to Jesus's mission with, with them specifically as the disciples. And, and that would have been pretty neat to, to experience. I, I think so. Rachel, anything you would add to that, that truth part or um, the um... holy sacrifice? <laughs>
1: No, um, not, I didn't have anything else to add on that, those particular points, but there was something else in this section that really yeah. jumped out at me. I don't, is now a good- Yeah, go ahead, yeah, jump in. yeah. Okay, so, uh, where, where is it? It's uh, kind of near the end. It's um, that, they may have my joy made Mm. full in themselves. And that because I've been spending so much time in John 14, 15, 16, and 17, that twigged something. I'm like, I've heard that phrase before. So I went back and I went back to see all the, the times leading up to this, where Jesus is talking about that your joy may be, may be made full. And I I found a really neat little pattern that so it starts in John fourteen, uh, verse thirteen and fourteen. It happens again in John fifteen, verse seven and eleven. It happens in John fifteen, verse sixteen, and it happens again in John sixteen, verse twenty three to twenty four, and it all of them say the same thing. It's Jesus saying the same thing five different times. Mm. And it's whatever you ask in my name, I will do it for you so that the father may be glorified. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Uh, Whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. These things I've spoken that your that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. Um, Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full and. So when Jesus says this here in chapter 17, he's, he says it right as the, and these things I spoke in the world, he's talking about all the things that he taught, all the things that he, in the last three years that he was speaking to the disciples and teaching them and that their joy might be made full. And then like, he's, there's something here and I can't quite it's just beyond my grasp like i'm just like there's something here that he's saying hey pay attention to this (laughs) this is important i'm gonna say it five times (laughs) (laughs) um and so i'm that's something that i'm i'm currently walking out in um just in our in my local church community uh where I mean, last night I was in a two-hour prayer meeting for some really mm-hmm. serious things, and we were calling out to God and we're crying out to God for miracles to happen, um, because the in the natural it it seems hopeless. In the natural, it seems like uh, there's no way through, mm-hmm. and so we're we're gathering as a as a community, as a body, and we're asking the father for a miracle. Sorry, I'm going to get emotional here. Um, but I, I keep, I keep coming back to the, the joy aspect. Um, I was just saying this to um, uh, one of our pastor's wives on Sunday, I was giving her a testimony. She had prayed for me a, a few months back of, of um, a situation that seemed hopeless to me. And within the week, God answered the prayer and reversed the situation. And I was coming back to tell her, thank you for praying, God answered the prayer. And then I said to her, I said, why, do we, why are we so surprised <laughs> when God actually answers our prayers? Um, and there's that, that element of joy that comes when we see God move and the miraculous happens and things that we thought were too difficult prove to be not too difficult for God. Mm -hmm. Um, so this, this aspect of your joy being made full. I'm like, Jesus is praying for us for that. Okay. I'm going to hang on to that. Because when, like as Todd was saying, when we're, there's suffering and you're walking through suffering and the world around you seems chaotic and terrible, (laughs) I'm holding on to this. This is, this is my anchor in the storm. I'm, I'm holding on that Jesus is praying for us and that our joy is made full and one of the ways that it's made full is when we see God move mm-hmm. through answered prayer. Like,
0: yeah, there's something about that personal connection. Me as just this single person among so many, uh, as someone that, that is, you know, just this blip on a radar of time and space and God shows up. Right. And it's, there's something about that that's joyous, I guess, for me. You know that that he's actually there. I'm not just one a, a number of many. I mean, there's actually a specific care for me as an individual. Yeah. So, Angela, what would you add to that that joy dynamic here?
2: Hmm. I Rachel's exactly. And I think she she covered it joyfully. <laughs> there, there's not nothing really beats that that feeling when you realize it is such a fullness and and abundance and it it brings you to your knees and tears roll down your cheeks and um when you realize you've just been a part of a miracle and how and how it was, it's always about love too. It's something that happened that, that screams out how much he loves us. And, and you think little me, you care about me or you care about this thing or that thing. And then when we realize, yes, he does, he does love us Mm -hmm. deeply and personally and individually, then it, it is, joy sure
0: yeah and i guess how does that tie into the dynamic of asking like because i think we can ask and god can answer but we also can ask and we get an answer we don't like or or god gives us um, takes us a different road so how do you reconcile that
2: um i feel like we're certainly always a work in progress and, um, he's always refining and, um, and bringing us wisdom through, through different ways. And, um, but he, he speaks of, of being thankful and, um, and we know that, um, that thankfulness, um, also helps us when we can't seem to understand, or sometimes when we jump ahead and we ask for a certain thing, um, the pause in a response or the timing that isn't what we were hoping for is usually once we get on the other end of it, um, it was a learning curve. It, it was something that we weren't we were missing, and. Um, I think that joy is is made complete when um we we slow down a little bit and mm. and we're thankful um
0: yeah what is slowing uh, todd you know what is that's interesting the slowing down there's the slow slowing down and prayer and the connection between the two
3: Don't get me started.
0: I got
3: got this ongoing rabbit hole. uh, uh, Abiding and striving without getting
0: whiplash. (laughs) (laughs) I wanna hear more about this, Todd. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: You know, being still to know, you know, to know that I am God, uh, something about being still to bring our not just our temporal gaze, but the gaze of our heart, fixated on the Father and His love for us, and the in the His desire for intimacy. That um, if we're not still, then our brain starts, our, our feeble little lizard brain starts creeping in on, <laughs> you know, things that aren't of the kingdom, good things, good things that with good motives, but um, God that you would, that you would be my all in all and that I trust that you're going to work all things your good for those who love you but how do i love you if i'm not able to receive your love because i'm not sitting still enough to let you love me nor am i sitting still enough to gaze upon your glory your magnificence
1: sometimes god intervenes in such a way that we have to sit still. Uh,
0: (laughs) well i think about um i think it was elijah when Elijah was staying by the river and he was supposed to go and he didn't and God dried up the river. So he had to leave.
1: (laughs) Sometimes we get those little nudges, right? Yeah. Where God's like, all right, move along.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
3: One of the most prevalent, um, things I hear from cultural Christians, casual Christians, Christian Christians, (laughs) like, um, you know, the like joy and mountaintop are they have to be tied it's it's rare to find someone that can testify to finding joy in the valley unless they've been through the valley and found the joy
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
3: right
1: through the valley found the joy yep <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not just the mountaintops
3: yeah those, yeah. those are the testimonies there yeah
2: yeah, the, the 23rd Psalm, yeah, it um definitely, Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so he's I will not fear. And it so it's learning to have joy as we're suffering. It's learning to to sing when we're in prison. Um it yeah, that that I think is um the the aspect of joy that he was needing us and is still needing us to learn, um, knowing that um, that things are, are not going to be easy. And so how do we have joy um, even when things aren't going our way? Because that is the light that others see is this almost unnatural reaction to something, that's when we start bringing glory back to God when others see why how is this person smiling in this or how is there a, how are they able to to see through this and and um, know or have this stillness or this this uncommon peace and
0: um, yeah I It's um, it kind of seems like, I, for a lot of Christians, it's um, it seems like a bridge too far. Like that seems impossible. Like how can I be joyful in the worst of worst? right? But we have these examples in the scriptures of that of Paul and James. You know, counted all joy and. But it's um, I don't know. It's it's uh it's a, it's a bit miraculous for God to do that in us. And it's something we have to, and allow him to do. Yeah. So let's jump to the third section, the, back to the unity. Um, one, you know, there, there's a, the oneness that Christ wants for us and as the church, but it's also a oneness that mimics the oneness that we find in God. And I kind of think of it like, you know, that unity is something we're invited to join in on individually and as, as a group. Um, Rachel, what would you, what else would you add to this, this, this final section, um, on unity and, and then even the last two parts on, um, the giving the glory to the two believers and, uh, and back to kind of that knowledge thing of Jesus, uh, knowing the father and, sharing that outward, uh,
1: Yeah, so just, I just jotted down a few notes that um, unity is a gospel witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when we think sharing the gospel, we, we don't necessarily think unity first out of the gate, like, when we think sharing the gospel, you're thinking, okay, uh, sin wrecked our relationship with God, God made a way to restore that relationship through sending Jesus to live amongst us, to um, teach and preach and um, perform miraculous signs. And then he was crucified and died and was buried and was resurrected on the third day and then was ascended to the father. Like we, when we think of the gospel, that's what we think. Yeah. We don't think of gospel unity. Hmm. Okay. Do I need to like shift some of my thinking? Do I I need to shift my perspective on this? Um, because it seems to me that's what Jesus is saying. Mm-hmm. This is how the world will know. Huh? Mm. Okay, back to the drawing board, I think, <laughs> for me on some on some things. Like, yeah. And and I'm not saying like we stop preaching the gospel. No, not saying that. Um, But I, I think "Mm, maybe there needs to be some sort of shift.
0: Yeah. A a reckoning of sorts. I think in America, we, as a, even as a church, I mean, as a country, we talk, everyone seems to be talking about how divided we are, but even the church is divided in America. And and there's a lot of people that are leaving the church. And there are people that, that look at the church as disunity and, and as a reason not to believe, right? And um, and so there's real consequences to that disunity. Yeah. Todd, what would you speak into about this unity of the church? not oh, did we lose you? Oh, you're muted.
3: Um, <clears throat> the unity as manifested by our willingness to love our neighbor in line with the greatest commandment. It's like, to me, this is very selfish. It's like, I think there's a lot of us that um, will desire greater unity for simply the selfish reason of it's the pathway to greater love with the father. Like I heard a sermon that says, you can't possibly love God with all your heart, strength, mind, soul, if you're not loving your neighbor and particularly the neighbor that you don't want to love. (laughs) Like it's, um, it's the most humiliating, but accurate barometer of my immaturity and faith that is very hopeful because it's like man, if I think that God loves me now and that there's greater levels to which I can love God, but they're not going to made manifest until I get serious about this bit about loving my neighbor and reaching across, you know, lines of spiritual warfare that would. Block unity, which really to me, like duh, like V8, like how do you create unity if you don't slow down and be still yeah. and listen and empathize and serve and, and pray and intercede? Um, we're, we're, I'm a very selfish, self centered, self loving person. And I think the enemy feeds off that to keep me from um, doing my part. Yeah. For unity.
0: So you yeah. can pay for me <laughs> <laughs> well, We will. Angela, um, what would you, you say to this unity? And, and, and one thing that kind of sticks out is, you know, in the, he says, I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. And I think there's something implied there that for us to, to move towards that unity, we have to receive the glory God is giving us, which implies we need to empty ourselves of whatever is not God's glory. What would you speak to that?
2: Well he 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 calls us to love others as he loves us and and that becomes our that is what is meaningful to others and so yeah it um when you think of the two the two differences, if you were to gaze upon them, what does unity tell someone versus what does division tell someone? And you can certainly see that um, that unity is stronger. And um, and again, scripturally, unity is. Um, is throughout um, Jeremiah 32, 39 through 41, uh, just a few excerpts. I will give them one heart and one way, which I love that it says the way because we know he says he is the way, the truth and the light. Um, So even in Jeremiah, I will give them one heart and one way so that they will always fear me for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. That sounds familiar also. I will never turn away. Um, and then in Ezekiel 11, 19 through 20. Um, and I will give them singleness of heart. Hmm. So I, I really like that. Um, a singleness of heart. Um, in two aspects, one, personally, with kind of your personal relationship, do you have a singleness of heart, um, sort of just like you were asking me um, in your question? But at the same time, as the body of Christ, are we united with a singleness of heart um, and put a new spirit within them? And that new is, is kainos, and so that's an intriguing um word that that makes its appearance throughout the old and the new testament um and it's a particular type and description of new um i will remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh so there todd is your compassion and your empathy for others so that they may follow my statutes so this this heart of flesh this 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 new heart that is soft and compassionate And sees the needs of our neighbors and is responsive at the same time it produces fruit and it also is helping us keep his statutes keep my ordinances and practice them and again he says, then they will be my people and I will be their God and then we know in Romans 12 5 so in Christ we though many just like Rachel was saying form one body and each member belongs to all the others. So we belong to each other and mm-hmm. we belong to Christ. Yeah. Um, and the, the last two, Philippians 1, 27, um, and then Colossians 3, 14 through 15, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together and perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful.
0: Yeah, thank you. So what is this, with the prayer as a whole, and, and I think kind of the concluding thoughts, then your love will, will be in them and I will be in them. Rachel, what would you, um, you say to the, just the legacy of this prayer and our role in, in perpetuating this prayer going forward?
1: Well, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, I think Jesus is still praying this prayer over us because this prayer hasn't been answered yet. Mm-hmm. Um, We're not there yet. Um, and that actually, in a roundabout way, gives me a little hope when it comes to my prayers that have yet to be answered. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, Jesus is still praying this prayer two thousand years later." <laughs> okay, I can point, persist. Yeah. I can persist in prayer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah, I think. I think if we are posturing ourselves um, to say, father, what does this look like in, in my life, in, in just how I relate to the people in my church? How do I relate to my neighbors? How do I re- relate to my family members? What does this look like? Because um, there's, there's kind of like, there's the worldwide church. There's, Christians in Japan, China, throughout Africa, throughout Europe, Asia, um, Middle East, and North and South America, there's Christians on every continent, maybe even Antarctica, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) Um, There is the worldwide body of Christ. And it's difficult as an individual to think of how am I in unity with the worldwide body of Christ? it seems too big. It seems too insurmountable to accomplish. (laughs) So I kind of, I have to like bring it down to the real level. Okay. Where, how does this start in my tiny little circle within my family? Okay. What does unity look like with my husband, with my children? And then bridge it out. What does unity look like with, um, the people I relate with At my church. Um, And then how does that relate with. My. Just my entire church. Like 200 people.
4: Yeah.
1: uh, Or however many it is. Um, And and kind of. Concentric circles going outward. I have to. I have to start with the real. I have to start where. Uh, Where it's manageable. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And. I think the i i wrote down the in there's the phrase in um verse 23 perfected in unity at least in the new american standard version it's perfected in unity and i was thinking i was thinking hmm is this sanctification through community
0: yeah Mm, i like that yeah yeah so we need to wrap up here so let's let's go around and If there's anything you wanted to share that you didn't get a chance to throw that in, and then what are your concluding remarks? And how do we apply this to our life? Uh, uh, Todd, you want to start us out there?
3: Yeah, man. Thanks for the opportunity. It's always good for me to get in the word. Um, I think what I'm intrigued and convinced to look into is. Uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians which is just rich with unifying language built up in love but yet ceaseless prayers that we would receive a heart of revelation and wisdom through the Holy Spirit so it's like uh, John 17 is like hey y'all are in for a battle and Paul's kind of like saying, hey, to those of you that are being faithful, here's some um, prayers for your battle. And even we see, you know, throughout Ephesians and Galatians, you know, we're, we're not at war against flesh and blood, but of, I think, I think what's, what's daunting to me is this um, invitation to get real, with the supernatural, spiritual warfare of the dark principalities that are fighting God's plan and God's ultimate plan for His people, and that um, for some reason, while you think He could win this with a snap of His finger, <laughs> plan that it would be manifested through His creation, working together in unity overcoming spiritual warfare through his grace through his power so that i guess it, i guess it he he would look better if it if he was able to have this this band of misfits fulfill his plan through his power
0: yeah angela what are your final remarks concluding thoughts
2: i love this forum and I, I feel like I feel like the early, it, it, I guess it, it makes me feel like some of the days of the early church to, to sit in a small group and to try to, through, through each of us talking very openly together, um, trying to learn from one another and um, to try to understand, um, so um, to understand his word deeper um, in ways that we may not have um, seen it originally and um, and to just enjoy um, the encouragement of, of one another. Um, and I think that's so important um, to be together as Christians that and to allow that encouragement to um, to sustain us and, and to renew us. Um, yeah. And, um, and, and I love the emphasis on unity. I, I do, I do see, um, it, Andy Stanley had in one of his sermons, um, a really, um, great example of, of a concept of he, he threw out this, this kind of this story and it he said his they, they called EMS his son was sick and as the um as they were coming in to um to to get his son to to help him his young son um he he pulled away he was telling kind of a an a you know not a it, anyway it, so he said I, I pulled my son away and I, I first said well are you a democrat or republican mm-hmm. and um and he said you know that it's like that is kind of our reality if, if we think of of some things or or you can just put different you can put different labels into that but just stop and think about that it is is um god needs us to be one and mm. um of course, it, we would never. Um, bef- if our child needed medical attention, we wouldn't stop and try to qualify if, if the person <laughs> coming to help them was in one political party or another. Before we would allow them to help. No, so so just stop and I we all I guess need to pause and, but I, I, um, I really feel like, um, and it. it I don't think I ever realized how important unity was yeah. to showing the world uh, where he says, perfect unity, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So unity will, will is, yes, a gospel story, and um and it also demonstrates love i i learned that about about that today
0: yeah. or in
2: by studying this this yes yeah.
0: yeah well thank you for sharing rachel close us out
1: with uh, your final remarks
2: i i just really appreciate
1: this opportunity to have a chat with Three people who have never chatted with before, and <laughs> yeah, this different is, parts of the
0: world. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I'm up here in Canada, and
0: <laughs> I'm in Atlanta with um, Todd, and Angela's in yeah. South Carolina. So, yeah.
1: Oh, very cool. I have family in South Carolina, so that's that's fun. Um, yeah, it. Just echoing what Angela said, it's easy to focus on what divides us. Um, we it's very easy to fall back into those, that trap of putting that as the first thing and, um, and Jesus has a different way. And so, yeah, it's, it's humbling and it's sobering to kind of go, Oh, I'm feeling convicted on this. Okay. Father, forgive me for not having your heart, uh, for people, for not having your heart for the body, uh, help me to walk in this. Um, and yeah, so this was great being able to just in the talking out. Um, there's something that gets incorporated into my heart and my mind. Of okay, God, this is where I this is where I want to move into. Help me, uh, help me in my frailty.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Well, let me, uh, yeah, let me say a quick prayer for us and those that might be listening and then we'll close this out. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: Lord and heavenly father, we, we love you. We thank you. Um, we are so grateful for, for, um, for what you've done for your son, for a sacrifice, for his prayer for us before we could even pray or participate in that. And we just pray that for those, for us, for those that are listening or have listened to any of the past episodes, Lord, that you would, help us to embrace your love and your glory and your will, that we would be willing um, to empty ourselves of anything that is not that, that you would break down any resistance that we have to your will and your love in our lives, and that we would be agents, um, obedient agents to you and in uh, and, and unity with each other, that we could set aside our differences and uh, focus on, on Jesus as our vision and as our hope. And as the hope for others and appreciate and understand, um, the stakes that, um, that are at, that are at play and, and not just, um, uh, just our own walk, but the unity that we have with others and that we would be able to internalize and manifest this in our lives and those that we love and those that are our enemies. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Share Life. For additional stories and systems to live better and work smarter, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. We look forward to having you listen in on the next episode of Share Life.